0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Jew and Gentile podcast. I'm your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, Chris, because we
0: have a guest today. We do have a guest. We're going to get to our guest in a moment. Actually, she's a repeat
1: guest. A repeat. They came back. I know. It's amazing. It says a lot, doesn't it? You know, in baseball, you don't know if you'll get a second hit. Well, we we got one. All right, right. we're We're at five hundred or or, a thousand.
0: I don't even know. All right, well, listen, uh, we got a great show lined up. We're ending Jonah chapter four. We've got some great stuff in the news, but before we get to that, here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. Like uh, Steve said, we have a great guest with us. Jeannie Green is back to share with us. Back and better than ever. Back and better than ever to share with us. Hey, you know she shared with us last time about her experience doing Encounter. And we actually even turned it into... An a, she did such a great job. We turned it into an official Encounter video um, that you can watch on YouTube, which I'll put the link in our show notes so people can go to that. But now she's back to, sh- to share another
1: way that I people can... I can't believe can, she came back, Chris. I can't <laughs> believe it. She says that people are going to be listening, too, because That's of right. her. She brought a few more listeners. That's, so instead of six... We're gonna be up to—I don't know how many. All right. Jeannie, you'll have to tell us.
0: Well, there we, we've got Jeannie. How are you? Good to see you. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm glad you're back with us. Hey, Jeannie, pull that mic a little bit closer so that all your friends can hear you and we can hear you. Uh, we uh, Jeannie and, and and her department that's headed by Amy Hanson and Amy wanted to be here today but she's under the weather. Um, uh, asked they asked us. If they could come on the podcast to
1: share about something very important happening at Friends of Israel, isn't it interesting? She knew she w- last week she knew she was going to be on the program, and of course, she got sick. She got- <laughs> I'm coming on the podcast. I'm sick. Well, I found out she was sick, and and then I said, "Well, are we?
0: Or is she not coming on today?" And then uh, uh, Largos, no, nope, Jeannie's got it under control, which I know it, you do have it under control, Jeannie, which is great.
2: I try. You I try, yes. It doesn't always look that way, but yeah.
0: Well, you definitely act with a lot of great <laughs> confidence because that's everything in life. Just be confident, right? Hundred percent. Right. That's right. Well, um, why don't we start our show before we get into uh Jonah four, before we get to our Uh, Did You Know? We're going to continue our Did You Know? But this podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. Thank you, Steve. FOI Equip, where you can learn your Bible from a Jewish perspective. You can go to foiequip.org right now, because you're probably on your computer or on your tablet or on your cell phone, and you're listening. Well, you can pause, go to foiequip.org, and you can sign up on our email list to get information on how you can participate in all of our classes learning the Bible from a Jewish perspective. And actually, Steve, we're in the middle. We are in the middle of Zionism. Zionism. Oh, that word means uh, it brings joy to some people's hearts, and then Zionism uh, brings uh, anger to other people's hearts. So, 100%. 100%. So anyway, Paul Pierce is the one who's uh, teaching that class right now, and uh, Paul's got one more session. He did a great overview of Zionism. And it, it, I think it begs the question, have you ever wondered if you're a Zionist? You know, with with all that's kind of wrapped up in that term, I know I can proudly say I'm a Christian Zionist. Steve, I'm pretty confident as the sage, the Jewish sage, you're a Zionist. I am a Zionist. Zionist through and through. Uh, So anyway, if you're interested, okay, am I a Zionist? What does all that mean? I need you to come to Paul Pierce's class. You can go to foiequip.org. And then to round out our year, Steve, uh, we have a special guest, David Brog. From uh, our, the former executive director of Kufi Christians United for Israel, talking about Christian
1: Zionism. Yep. David Broggs, Jewish man who knows about Friends of Israel, grew up in Margate, uh, New Jersey. Oh, I didn't know uh, he was from New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he lives the, in
0: Las Vegas. Now, he ran for Congress, actually. Yep, he yep. didn't win the primary, but he ran.
1: Yep. He tried. I think that's great. And uh, he's conservative. Uh, actually, Chris, I just read that there is a growing percentage of Jewish people who are conservative oh, yeah. in their votes that has it's still the minority but it's a growing group yep that uh, i think still will be a minority for a while but it's changing the, the- climate is changing. It is changing, and
0: it's even changing for a lot of other demographics in th- that typically would vote Democratic or moving into a Republican view as well. Uh, I think a good conversation for later, but um, yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can learn about Zionism. There's a lot of ways you can learn about the Jewishness of the Bible by going to foiequip.org, the sponsor of the Jew and Gentile podcast.
1: That's right. Let's get to Jeannie, though. We did our commercial. That's right. Commercial out of the way. Jeannie, welcome,
0: welcome. Thank Thank you for coming. Thank you, Okay, so uh, we're talking, actually, about Giving Tuesday. So when you get um, fat and happy on Thanksgiving and you give thanks to God for everything that he's given to you and you're full and you've got that tryptophan going through you, then you're supposed to stay awake so that you can go do... Black Friday, which is, you know, I guess at 12 o'clock at night, the stores stay open and it's like a bum rush. And you risk your life going out there to find a cheap TV G- or something? Did you ever
1: do that, Jeannie? No, me neither. Not you ever, even Chris? close.
0: One time, I I went with a buddy to an outlet mall in Dallas, Texas when I was in seminary at twelve o'clock at night, and it was what'd th- you buy?
2: That's for young people. <laughs> I know. Getting up at the crack of dawn. Well, I what wrote, did you buy? Well, I want
0: to know what you bought. All right. Well, I'm a sucker for Brooks Brothers shirts, and so if you, I'm, you know, you're saying it's a young person thing. I'm an old person, and this is when I was in my twenties, <laughs> not the twenty four. And so we went to see if. Were any deals at the Brooks Brothers Were there outlet. any deals? I think I came home with a shirt or two. But there was no, it was nothing like those videos that you see where people are <laughs> you know, falling tra- all over each other. <laughs> trampling, <laughs> fighting each other. It's not like that in Brooks Brothers when you buy an outlet shirt. So, But I did it once. Um, but after you get done with your turkey, then you do your Good Friday, and then you do Cyber Monday, which means it's basically Black Friday that carries over into Monday where you get all those cyber deals. At some point in our commercial you know, style uh, environment that we live in where we're always looking to buy the next thing. At some point, we have to say, okay, enough buying stuff. Let's, we got to give. And that's what Giving Tuesday is all about. So you got mm-hmm. Thursday, Thanksgiving. Friday, buy all the stuff you want. Monday, buy all the stuff online. Tuesday, give online. And that's what we're going to talk about, ways that you can give online to the Friends of Israel. So maybe you can share with us our direction, our vision for uh, Giving Tuesday uh, this year.
2: So, every, like Chris said, every year we do um, some type of campaign for you to give back um, through the Friends of Israel. And last year we did uh, baskets Mm -hmm. and it was very well received. Uh, This year we decided that we wanted to do something uh, with regard to youth. Um, We had a survey that came across our desk that was pretty bleak. These were Christian. Children's in Christian uh, families that had these beliefs. That um, I'll just throw one of these things out: that fifty percent of the children that they um, surveyed, which were ages thirteen to seventeen in twenty-six countries, these weren't even U.S. citizens. Mm. These are twenty-six countries believe fifty percent believe that Jesus did not raise from the dead, and wow. that was. For me, mind-blowing. I grew up in a Christian family. It was a given. I knew that Jesus rose from the dead. These
0: are Christian families These with are Christian, Christian kids families. who don't even believe basically the essence of Christianity.
2: Right. These are not our college-age children. These are younger, mm. 13 to 17-year-olds. They haven't even—we can't blame colleges for that. So what we looked at is across the world, we as Friends of Israel have— Children's camps that the children can go and they can learn about Jesus and be mentored by other Christians. And we're very excited about this. And you, as a believers that are listening to the podcast right now, can donate yeah. to these camps. We have them in various areas. Um, there are some in uh, Israel. Again, these are. Christian families that are allowing their children to go to these Christian camps. No child is left behind and we don't want any children left behind. We want people to give so that we can strengthen them before they even get to college so that they understand who Jesus is, why he came, and um, we're very excited about the program.
0: Because some of these young kids that come to the camps, whether whether they're in Poland or in Israel, they travel quite a distance. And maybe even the family doesn't have the money to be able to send them. Hey, listen, I know what it's like. Uh, I grew up going on uh, ski trips with our youth group, and we'd have winter retreats. And it is, you know, if you got a couple kids, it's not cheap to do that. It can be very expensive. Um, and so when you get into Poland, you get into Israel— Maybe the parents don't have the money. They want to send their kids to these Christian camps so that they can learn the foundational truths of our faith, but they don't have the money to do that. And that's what this no-child-left-behind mentality is. We want to be able to make sure every family feels confident that they have a scholarship there to send their kids to these camps.
1: And a giver to Giving Tuesday would make that possible.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and you
2: can give any amount. There are, you know, even if you think, oh, I can only give— $10, $20. Ten dollars, twenty dollars, I mean, it, every every dollar makes makes a difference in a child's life and we want to make that difference in that child's life, we want you as um a listener to this podcast to make a difference in a child's life
1: so, how that's really hard good. is it How hard is it to give? They go online They and- can go
2: online and give um I think Chris, you have that on mm-hmm.
1: um, it'll be on the
0: show notes, so we uh, you can go to uh, for our giving Tuesday push. You can go to foi.org forward slash Tuesday. Very easy to remember. Yes. Not Thursday, not Friday, not Monday, Tuesday for Giving Tuesday.
2: You can also sign up for our emails. Um, we send a lot of emails out. You guys send emails out to so that um, your folks know what's going on with Equip. And um, you can go on, sign up for our emails, and you will start seeing the emails for Giving Tuesday. Again, you can give time you can go on right now and give, or you can go on on Giving Tuesday and give.
0: You know, I just think this is so important, Steve, when you think about what Jeannie's saying, that they're, we're not talking about kids who have grown up in a secular home or, or you know, in a, a believe, an unbelieving family. These are kids that are being raised in Christian families, and they don't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead, which is the, the essentials of who we are as believers. Without the resurrection... Paul says it's all it's all no, means nothing. It's void. Uh, so it's vital that these young children
1: are learning biblical truths, and that's what's happening in our Polish and Israel camps. There's nothing better than getting a group together. You mentioned that you went to camp Christian Snow Snow Camp or whatever. When you get together, the fellowship is great. The the leadership has you together. Uh, you sit around, you learn, you grow, you make friendships. Yep. Uh, and. Uh, we just think it's a great opportunity. And this, of course, is not limited to one country. We're talking about being able to give money when uh, our donors give money. We're able to not only give in Israel, which we mentioned, but in Poland and even other places, Jeannie.
2: That's correct, yes.
1: Well, this is fantastic. So, Jeannie, thank you very
0: much. This has been great. Um, if you would like to give so that you can sponsor a child uh, to go or multiple children to be able to go to camp to ensure that they're going, they have a scholarship, as Jeannie said, no child left behind, I want to encourage you to go to FOI.org forward slash Tuesday. We've made it very easy for you, FOI.org forward Forward slash Tuesday, make your donation to help a child uh, learn the truths of the scriptures and the truths about who Jesus the Messiah is. Jeannie, thank you so much. Oh,
2: you're quite welcome. Thanks, Thanks for Jeannie. inviting me.
0: Well, all right. Uh, what a segue. I'm <laughs> telling you, this is great because
1: we're going right from giving to giving, giving, giving to giving. Only this time it's not called giving, it's called tzedakah. That's a very important word when it in judaism it's a very important word it's righteous loving kindness that's the, tzedakah i used to give tzedakah every time i went to hebrew school sunday school we had pushkiz pushkiz yeah uh, that's a little Hebrew with a little Yiddish. And we'll talk about that. Well, I, I revealed our Yiddish word, but we we'll, You did it already. I people are it. like, all right, I'm well, out. That's right. We just <laughs> lost all the listeners. That's right. But, but that's they hang okay. on. That's how we hook them to the that's end, That's right. Word. That's right. But Did You Know has a segment on tzedakah. And Chris, tzedakah is rooted in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And that's really significant. Uh, Jewish people are commanded... To give commanded, it's it's a it's from God, uh, and you could find passages in Deuteronomy and in Numbers which talk about uh oh. From a Christian point of view, here's that word tithing. Yep, Ay, tithing in in the Christian church. Yes, you tithe. No, you tithe. Uh, You're writing c- about tithing right now. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm. Telling You're you, really okay. pouring your heart out uh, into this IMG article uh, for tithing. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I still haven't heard. I'm. It's. I might have to rewrite it. Oh, it, really? It's horrible. My wife read it, read the draft, and said, "I'm interpreting what she said. It stinks." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, doesn't she have a nicer way of saying that? Which is, "What's Much your nicer. point?" Yep, she said, "What's your point?" This time when she read it. She, could, I, I, we've been married a long time. I took a look at her. I said, "Why do I even write at she all?" She says, "No, She said, "Give me all your credit cards. Uh, yeah, Give me yeah. all your. I don't want you. Can't control the money uh, anymore." yeah, yeah. But Sedaqa is is big because it's big for God. But you know, Chris, that the rabbis say since after the temple was destroyed, so this is extra biblical. Sedaqa will take away your sins. It takes. It encompasses all the commands. Mm-hmm. And it is as good as a sacrifice on Yom Kippur. Now, obviously, that's not biblical. That's what it's become. Well, listen to what Emily Stone, did you know? And Chris, I think we've sold two books so far that I know of. We're getting a lot out of this. I know. I hope we
0: meet Emily Stone at some point.
1: Emily, we'd love to meet you. (laughs) This is really well done. But did you know, uh, while one... Unfortunate Jewish stereotype is the age old image of Cheapy the Jew. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says here. Emily tells us Cheapy the Jew. The truth is that the Jewish law obligates the chosen tribe to donate money to charitable causes. This act is gi- of giving is called tzedakah, which is uh, righteousness. Actually, righteousness, tzedek, tz- a, a righteous, it means righteous, and then loving kindness. Uh, Chesed, which is where we we send people on Chesed to um Israel. Israel, that's, that's, right. that's right. That so, means
0: loving kindness.
1: Exactly. Some Talmudic rabbis and sages assert that Tzedakah is the highest commandment of all. The energy equivalent to all other commandments combined. Chris, that's amazing. One stop righteousness. That's right. (laughs) There you go. Maimonides (laughs) devoted some serious parchment. I I like that. I know. (laughs) I love the way she (laughs) writes in his Mishnah Torah to instructions regarding laws concerning gifts for the poor. Furthermore, there was a Rabbi Kokhba basically likens a person who doesn't fulfill the mitzvah or the command of tzedakah to an Oyster, oyster po boy eating <laughs> worshiper of idols. So, here it is Tsudaka. And, Chris, we actually have a Tsudaka. Can that's right? A box, a box. That's right. Which is where we get our Yiddish word. I'm not going to say it. We Don't said say it, it anymore. I know. I'm not going to say it. But I'll hold it up. Hold it up. Hold that... it up. Tell me if you could see it on the. That's
0: good. Yeah, yep. we can see it. That's yeah. uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, there you go. Hold it up right there. Put it on top of your cup there. I think people will there. We there go. there we, go. we go. So that's a uh, that's a a box essentially, and that I, one's for JNF. That's a very popular one, Jewish National Fund. Very popular.
1: You raise a lot of money that way. I can remember growing up, I don't think there's a a home synagogue uh, or school, Hebrew school, the one or the other or all three, that doesn't have a box where you collect money and then use it for a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, in, amongst Jewish people, it's not just used for synagogues or for JNF. Choose used for cancer funds, for funds that will help in all different kinds of ways. And we just talked about Giving Tuesday. If they start putting their we, – we we can't ask for coins. That's not no. – start putting away, since we only have about two weeks, putting away your dollars. Instead of going to Starbucks, take your 5 or $10. I don't know. What do people spend at a Starbucks? Do you I go to Starbucks? I think it's over five. Oh, it's no. got to be. I haven't been to a Starbucks oh, in a man. long time. It's, yeah, you could easily spend eight bucks on a drink there. I All think. right, oh, so yeah. at, so yeah. at least take a fast from Starbucks and put the money in a little container, and then on Giving Tuesday, you can send it to Friends of Israel, and we'll make sure it goes for the camps. You know, people Szedakah, don't... Sedaka, righteous, loving kind. Isn't that what we're asking for Giving Tuesday?
0: You know, when we look at this... Uh, it's a, duck a box too that you you know has a picture of the land of Israel on it and it tells you what the money's going to go to as you put your money in there every time you know families would have these in their homes and like you said synagogues but these little boxes actually helped to found the friends uh, uh, to found the the state of Israel because a lot of people you'll hear you'll hear lies they'll tell you oh the jewish people stole the land from the palestinian people well, actually, they bought the land from the the Arab uh, people who owned owned and it at that supposedly time. Supposedly,
1: have I got a deal for you in the desert with no water, with <laughs> nothing growing? Such a deal. I know. At a prime price, they I'll would sell i I'll give it to you for twice what it's valued at.
0: Malaria-infested property. <laughs> right, it's all yours, right. buddy. Take it. But what would happen is Jewish people in the diaspora would put fill up their little uh, tzedakah b- uh, boxes with money, and then that money would actually go to help buy the land— So they weren't stealing the land. They were actually buying it, and they were actually buying it at a premium price. Uh, And so they have the deeds to these lands. So whenever people go, oh, those Jewish people went in there and they stole it, the colonialism, Ah, they went in there and they bought
1: it. It, It's genius fundraising if you think about it. I remember uh, not only were these boxes used to help Israel get land, but also buy trees. I remember, Chris, going to Hebrew school And they had these little booklets, and you put a dime each time you came. And when you filled it up with $2 at that time, you bought a tree in Israel. And so young Jewish children, of which I was one, actually participated with our dimes. I know a dime doesn't sound like much today, but at that time, they were only $2 to buy a tree. Today, I think it's $10 to buy a tree. Mm -hmm. But it's the same principle. And so you give tzedakah, righteous, loving kindness. It's a great word. It's a great word. So this Tuesday
0: you can do your tzedakah on Giving Tuesday, right? Next Tuesday.
1: Oh, sorry, sorry. Next Tuesday. Next that's Tuesday. right. They, two week. We're asking two weeks to abstain from your special little coffee oh. with the little <laughs> with the little cream that makes little. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. How do they do that? I Where, don't even know. Uh, uh, it makes little uh, some sort of image on the uh, coffee. Well, crazy. Bypass it for two. Weeks and give some righteous loving kindness. I
0: saw a, a meme online that Elon Musk post because I don't know if you know he's you know bought Twitter and he's upending everything. And apparently, you have to pay money.
1: Everybody hates him,
0: right? I, I don't even, I don't know what the deal is, but every you know they, in Twitter you have these little marks that let you know you're a famous person or someone you know th- you're the real George Clooney. I don't know, you're the real guy. You're not some fake account, and so you have to pay for that little check mark you know and so i think it was five dollars a month or whatever well he was going to make it twenty dollars a month and then everyone complained he goes all right fine eight dollars a month and people were still complaining and so he made this meme of some guy buying a very expensive eight dollar starbucks cup of coffee and he's all excited and then you know the check mark and the guy's weeping that he has to spend eight (laughs) dollars to have it for the month so it's everybody compares a starbucks drink to having to spend a few bucks. But all that to say, this is nothing like a Starbucks drink. Uh w- what we're asking you to do goes much further. It's for the spiritual growth of our of our uh of of believers all around the world, young adults, that's giving Tuesday by going to FOY.org forward slash Tuesday. Steve, that was a great one. That was
1: a great did you know. Did you know? Boy, I'm telling you that Emily uh maybe we'll double her sales to, uh, through this. <laughs> Go from two to
0: four. Exactly. All right, Steve. So we're wrapping up our Jonah series. We've not even talked about what we're going to
1: do next. It'll have to be a surprise. We don't know. I know. We're we going to have, have no to, clue. I know. We'll have to have a conver- which is par for the course for us. But it is. It yep. is. But
0: we're going to end Jonah chapter four here. And so, Steve, I'm going to let you take it away because I love the way
1: Jonah opens up this section in chapter four. It's so Jewish. So Jewish. (laughs) I could say that. I could say that. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Exceedingly. So he became angry. Yep. Why is Jonah angry? Chapter four. You know, he should have left enough alone. (coughs) Chapter three was the way the book, from a human point of view, should have hey, he had a mission. He was reluctant to go. God directed him, first Jewish submarine under the water for three days, comes to the land of Nineveh, a people horrible. They were, he hated them, horrible. But he preaches to them, uh, and they repent. And what a great ending. But no, nope. it doesn't end that way. Because this story really isn't about the Ninevites. This book is really about Jonah. Yes, exactly. I had mentioned this
0: before last last week when we were saying, if this, if if Jonah had done what he was supposed to do, this book would be one chapter long. But I not- calls
1: I answer, and what's our Yiddish word? Fartic. Let it happen. Yeah. Gotta be careful. <laughs> Far tick. (laughs) (laughs) Zygazen. Zygazen. Live Live and and be well. well. That's right.
0: So, But Jonah, this whole thing, Jonah 1, about Jonah. Jonah 2, about Jonah. Jonah 3, does what God told him to do. Jonah 4, back to Jonah. And And he's angry. He's angry. Can I say something? There's a reason Jonah's angry, too. And I actually love the reason that Jonah is angry. He's angry because he is confident in the God that he knows and loves and worships. He's confident in him. He is so confident that God would forgive the most wicked, dis- you know, despicable, uh, vile people the The people that we would go there's no way that God could ever forgive them. they're unforgivable All, you know there are I'm sure there are a lot of people that would feel that way the, you know an equivalent would be the Nazis, you know, and what they did to the Jewish people just there's no way there's redemption, there's no way there's forgiveness for them and honestly, that's probably the way uh Jonah felt, but he was actually confident in the character and nature of who God was that it compelled him to go the other direction. The reason he went in the other direction instead of obeying God was because he knew who God
1: was. 100%, Chris. And if you think about it, Jonah was called to go to the Gentiles. The gospel went first to the Jewish people, and there was a little, I would say, hesitation on the part of the Jewish believers with Gentiles. The Bible doesn't have a problem. There are examples of Gentiles who adopt the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But if you think about it, it's you know, Romans said he is not the God of the Jews only, yes, the God of the Gentiles also. Romans chapter three. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh Jonah gives us that indication. And it's it's interesting because the next verse, so he so so we know literally Jonah is a believer. There's some people don't think Jonah is a believer, he's a disobedient. Out, well, I can't even say out of touch because he's talking to the Lord throughout this book. Yeah. And the Lord's talking to him. Yeah, exactly. So, in fact, and he knew
0: right away when he was out on that boat, he goes, it's me. It's over, guys. It's Throw me. me over. That's right. God's out for me.
1: Yep. Just, you know." Yep. So. so it says in verse 2, he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord. Ah, I like that. Ah, ah, Lord. Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? <laughs> Didn't I tell you? I knew you would do this.
0: That's, I love how honest, it, when he gets frustrated, and I always feel like this reads so beautiful. Oh, Lord, I told you, this is why I didn't want to go to begin with. I told you. this. He gets frustrated. I told you, Lord, but
1: I know you're gracious. You're a gracious God. You're merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. How come you're that way? Yeah. <laughs> I can't take it.
0: Well, you know, I, uh, one of my, this is actually one of my favorite verses too, Steve. It actually comes from Exodus 34, six and seven, when Moses is, uh, you know, God's about to pass before Moses, and Moses says, Show me your glory. I want to see you, God. And then as Moses is, he goes, I can't show you my face or else I'll consume you in my holiness, but I can show you my backside. And as God is passing before Moses, uh, in the cleft of the rock, and he's going to show him that little part of himself, which is radically going to change Moses. He also describes who he is on Mount Sinai, and he says this in Exodus chapter 34, 6 and 7. He says, Then the Lord passed before Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, And basically, Jonah is taking that passage and copying and pasting it and sticking it here because he knew—because I always—he read the Bible. He knew the Bible. He knew who God was. He practically is quoting from Exodus 34, 6, and 7 when he says, I knew you were going to do this because I know who you told us you are. You're compassionate and gracious and merciful and forgiving and all the rest. And that was enough to send Jonah in the other direction.
1: Chris, have you ever heard the idiom, modern Im, idiom today? Kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Jonah, the Jewish people invented that. Look what it says. <laughs> look what it says in verse three. Therefore, after he said all that, I I knew you would do this. I knew it. You're merciful. You're abundant. I told you this would happen. Therefore, oh Lord, Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. Kill me now. Yeah, take me now. Kill me. Now, uh, and so when we think of chapter 4, it's interesting that in chapter 4, four times it says God prepared. God prepared. We talked about this already with the fish. He's on the boat, but God's preparing the great fish. And mm-hmm. there's four instances. One in chapter 1 and verse 17, that's the fish. Then we have the, uh, the plant in chapter 4 and verse 6. This is... So I read a, a commentator. I won't tell you, tell you who it is. He said that Jonah was like the first RV guy. <laughs> he, he said after this message, he goes to the RV park and sits in his RV and and looks over the city a safe distance. I don't either, either hoping for or watching. This really isn't going to work. They're going to sin. We, he's watching to see what happens. But I, I wonder, too, Chris, why did Jonah say, kill me now? I, have you ever been spent? Amy, have, uh, Amy? I, I have your boss in my, in my head. But Jeannie, yeah. uh, you, you work with horses. You have your own horse. You take care of a household, your husband, that alone, taking care of your husband, that could uh, drain you. But when you're weak physically, remember what he's done. He's walked three days. Uh, He's the submarine, three days in the belly of the fish. He's had a long, hard time. He's drained physically. He's tired. Uh, At the end of his mission, because of his attitude to the Ninevites, have you ever been so tired where you just said, Kill me now.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You raise a family and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You,
1: you, That's
0: my joke is that uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, at the end of the day. You, you got to s-
1: explain that, Chris. Well, I have,
0: I always joke with people that my, I have four kids and they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And, you know, there's always, uh, Uh, You know, uh, there's dominion all the time. That's one of the horsemen. I'm always pushing these kids away from one another. There's a fight for dominion. There's a famine in the Katolka household all the time because I've got no food. They eat me out of house and home. There's pestilence in the land because... These kids, I, t- I send them to school. I was never went to the doctor, and now they come back from school and they bring all these diseases. And this is even before COVID. I was, you know, on antibiotics all the time because these what these kids are bringing home. And then finally, the last horseman is is death. <laughs> and, and I always say at the end of the day at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, you know, these kids are still moving around. They can't get to sleep. And you just go, Lord, take me now, you know, <laughs> end this thing now. Take me, Lord. So, so we
1: can we can empathize with Jonah at least a little bit. So there he is. And it says Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter. So he so he has his RV, as this commentator said, he's sitting out there in the sh- in the shade till he might see what would become of the city and then God prepared a plant and the kind of plant that commentators most of them say is a a vine like plant mm-hmm. a gourd some say uh where it grows and it it would grow over the shack that he built because the the live plant would be a great shield a better shield than the shack itself it's cooler so he's under like a tree leaves uh And God prepared this and gave it to him. So think of how he first tells God, "I already know you're gracious, you're merciful." And so God says, "Yeah, I'm going to show you how gracious and merciful I am."
0: What can I say too? This is oftentimes associated the idea of providing shade, and as you sit, you know, in the in the hot sun when you're working all day and you're tired, and you know, you come in, you just want to, you know, take a siesta. Under the shade it's the same concept there is a lot of biblical uh attribution to the idea of you know it, even a kingdom mentality one day we'll sit under our you know in the shade the idea of the rest that comes with it well here's Jonah's moment to rest God's about he's providing the moment to finally like you said the RV park to finally rest he's got his shade he did his
1: job he's frustrated though he did his job and then. And then God provides him with this plant. It's pretty cool yep, exactly that, right. that he's got it. But then it's, it's interesting uh, because in verse 7 it says, But as the morning dawned and the next day God prepared a worm. So now we had a fish he prepared, a plant he prepared, and now he's preparing a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Only God could do stuff like this, and it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared, there it is again, a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. This is, again, kill me now. Now I really want to die. (laughs) It's hot in here. I'm dead. I'm dying. Oh, In my family. We got it. We I gotta, tell you about Jewish people in the heat. <laughs> we go down to Florida. We go down to Arizona. It's freezing where we came from. All right, But you should know about the heat. So I was going to say we got to get Jonah some counseling. Here oh, or yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: you find him a Christian counselor to talk to about his life. But it's interesting because he's the sun is baking down on him, and it says when the sun arose, God provided, um, uh, God provided us a, a, a another provision, the scorched east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And, of course, he wanted to die again. It would have been better for me to die than to live, he said. But Jonah said to God, this is, inter- this is where Jonah's- uh, God's going to speak into Jonah's life. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. <laughs>
1: It's very very extreme. Picture Phoenix, Arizona in August. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's hot. And you got this nice little uh, shade that's been provided. You feel pretty good. What did Jonah do to get it? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. It came from God. It left from God because of the worm. But he's angry. He's upset. And so it goes on in verse 10. But the Lord said... You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand Mm. and their left, and much livestock. Interesting that he's teaching him a lesson, because what does he do? He's not worried about the Ninevites. They're taken care of by God. He's worried about numero uno. Yep. Me. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about Jonah. It's all about Jonah.
0: I, You know, I, I did a message once on Jonah, and I did it around the idea of the three chapters are about Jonah, the ones about God. Uh, and, you know, how do, the question is, how do you want to go out in life do you want to go out being remembered uh, that you did what God told you to do, or do you want to be remembered as having all these other chapters built around you that are solely dedicated to you and your problems and your issues and this about me and that about me? And I don't want to do that because I don't like those people. And this, do you want that kind of you know uh, ending to your? life? If someone was going to write a book about you, do you want it to be a, all those chapters about you? Or do you want them to be solely focused on how God used you and you listen to God? And I just think it's a great—because how do you end with
1: Jonah? Is that you go, what was that all about? What was your life all about there, Jonah? You know, Chris, if you go to the book of Nahum, it's very interesting. Nahum, of course, was the prophet about 100 years later who writes about the Assyrians and judgment that's going to come on them. That's right. And that book ends in a question. And the question is— for upon whom has not your wickedness passed continually? Hmm. That's, the, that's the thing. And at the end, here it says, uh, at the end of Jonah, and should not I pity Nineveh that that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. They're going to get judged, but not these individuals 100 years before Nahum. God promised he was going to... Remember, the Ninevites were... Nasty people. Yep, they we're all sinners. I know that, but they carried it out horrible ways, and they're going to be judged. No, uh, Jonah was chosen by God to go preach that message, repent, and these Assyrians do. God is going to judge Assyria, but it's a hundred years later through the prophet, through the prophet Nahum. Can I?
0: Can we go back because I feel like we're living in a culture right now where uh, just as um, God said that the Ninevites can't tell their right hand from their left hand. I feel like we're living in a culture right now where, you know, our culture can't tell its right hand from its left hand. It can't tell the difference between a man or a woman. It can't even give a definition to a gender, um, which seems like the most basic of answers possible. And so you just sit there and you wonder, you know, you can get angry at the culture, which is exactly what Jonah did. He was angry at, the Ninevites and the culture of the Ninevites and all that the Ninevites stood for. But it's interesting because, of course, God was angry. He was going to judge them. But it's also interesting because he had pity on them. And, you know, I think that should change. I think God wanted uh, Jonah to have the same spirit he has, which is not—God's going to judge, but he has pity. Shouldn't we have pity? I'm not angry at the culture— God never said in the Bible that our culture would just merge into our beliefs as followers of the Lord and biblical. In fact, the opposite. Exactly.
1: Strangers and pilgrims.
0: That's right. Narrow is the way, not wide. And so it's just interesting because it shows uh, for God so loved the world, you know, the idea that he, He, even for the most wicked people who can't tell their right hand from their left hand, God still has pity. And maybe we should be changing our attitude toward the culture that surrounds us that's not going away. It's not going to disappear. We're not going back to the 1950s. We're not going to be you know, going back to old ways. We have to understand that as Christians, if we're biblical, we're always going to be against the stream. We're going against the cultural, you know, going against the grain. But the reality is, is that we shouldn't be
1: angry at un- unbelievers. We should have pity. On them as God has and love paid. them. You know, it brings me back to a story about a pastor who was involved in a denomination, and they were. Uh, this is back in the '50s and '60s, and you know, everybody went to church. With the men wore ties and jackets and suits, and the ladies had hats and dresses and all that. And this was in California. and People were coming. uh there was God was moving. Uh, only they were coming, and they 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 didn't know the Christian culture, and. So the pastor had trouble with the denomination because he was welcoming these people who didn't look like the other congregants. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, finally, he just said, you know what, uh, I, I understand where you're at. I'm just going to leave and start a different work, and and my emphasis is going to become as you are. And that's exactly what happened. And that movement swept uh, not just uh, in Southern California, but around the world, because the vision is not to—we want people to be like we are. Uh, Christian culture is a great culture, and I think it's significant. But, but we can do the same thing Jewish people do, which is, I, you know, you got to fit into our mold in order to get into this, into this that, uh, way of life. That's right. And so, look, we have to be not accommodating to the culture. No. We have to be— We have to be welcoming to the people and instruct them. I remember when I first came with Friends of Israel, David Levy, uh, who's still around. Is this your beard? Well, no, I could talk about that, too. It was belt buckle. Oh, belt buckle. He said, said, Steve, are you going to church with that kind of belt? And I said... I don't, what I, was this belt? I, he it was too wide for David. Like the whole belt was wider than <laughs> like the buckle, belt, the, the buckle, buckle. It was oh, like a yeah. Texas. He, he went up and down, looked at me, and just said, ay, yeah, 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 yeah." All these years later, I still don't dress like. I mean, he is sharp. I mean, I- impeccable in his dress and his taste. I'm just, I think God demonstrates through me, ah, uh, he takes anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had the same thing, not only with the belt
0: buckle, but with the beard, too. I, yep, A beard. Jewish guy with a, a beard. A Jewish
1: guy, he wanted me to shave the beard the, off. Oh, my goodness gracious. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do what it. What did you say to him? I just said, well, David, if if it's trouble uh, as far as churches being welcome, welcoming to me, I'll shave it off for Christ. But I want to at least try. Well, as it turned out, probably because I'm Jewish, nobody ever, the, the, in fact... Didn't can, somebody think you were the Antichrist because you had a beard? Well, no, they thought I was the Antichrist because they couldn't find my face. I had a beard and long hair, <laughs> and they circled IMG with red. And sent, But the funny thing is, two things came in. The person in my place, North American director, uh, sent me uh, the, two, two weeks apart. The first one... A red circle around the IMG uh, article that I had. Uh, it said, Antichrist. <laughs> and then and then two weeks later, the same picture. They started supporting Steve Herzig because he looks like a nice guy.
0: <laughs> I, it's a true story. Oh, the Antichrist. Uh- antichrist we found him everybody we (laughs) found the antichrist there you go there you go all right well that that concludes our study on jonah hey steve what's the final word here on jonah i say
1: don't be like jonah follow god's will i'd say don't be like jonah's attitude but be have the message of jonah yes he preached the good news And it was good news to the Ninevites. And he did have a relationship with God. And he did talk to God. There's some positive things that Jonah did. And it just shows, number one, God isn't finished with any of us, even when we go our own way. He calls us back, mm. uh, and, I, and I think that's important. And Jonah never stopped talking to God. He never stopped talking. I, I, it's not a great way he talked to God, but <laughs> kill me now. But nonetheless, he talked to God. Kill me now. Please, kill me now. All right, is anything okay? Is anything okay? All right, Steve, what's going on in the news? Well, <laughs> I, I have to laugh, Chris. We know there was an election. I know you've talked a little bit about that. Bibi Netanyahu got 31 seats in the Likud. And uh, the re- we already talked about that. And the religious groups, four of them, really got a lot of uh, uh, seats in the Knesset. And so now comes the negotiations. Mm-hmm. They all want certain ministry heads. And uh, the headline uh, to the Jerusalem Post article I have in front of me, which is in the—you'll uh, send them— During people, the show notes, yeah. They have the link notes religious zionist rabbi to smotrich demand defense ministry so zionist rabbis want the defense ministry yeah <laughs> this is hilarious to me <laughs>
0: well it's funny because what's funny is smotrich uh betriel smotrich who is going to be in in political power let's talk about his history Serving in the Israeli army, Steve. Well, that's a big one. Well,
1: the funny thing. It
0: says, <laughs> so they want him to be the defense
1: minister. It, it, that's, that's what they're shooting for. But it says here Netanyahu reportedly does not want him as defense minister as Likud has two highly qualified candidates and they're named. While Smotrich served in the IDF for 16 months, it was in a non-combat role and has little experience otherwise. <laughs> the blind leading the defense, I, it's, it's hilarious.
0: Well, this is what happens when you basically have Netanyahu's party, like you said, 31, 32 seats, and then all of a sudden you have everybody else is
1: religious. They're all religious. Can you imagine? Uh, I, I'm i Rabbi so-and-so, and I'm the defense minister. <laughs> That's what's going on. I'm sure there's a lot of Israelis that are going, ay, ay, oh, yeah, Oh, man. They are probably... Listen to what it says. The rabbis explain that the reason to insist on the defense ministry was, quote, to strengthen Israel's safety, the spirit of IDF, to prevent the formation of a Palestinian state, and to regulate settlement of Judea and Samaria, according to the state, statements. The rabbis also requested and insist on receiving the education and religious affairs. Why don't you just ask for the whole country? <laughs> well, there's no I mean, if the
0: only thing is, you know, um, Netanyahu could give this position to anybody, even in the opposition government. And there are conservative. The, the funny thing all about, about this is that Netanyahu's got to form a government now. Everybody who's on Netanyahu's side is all religious and very conservative people. OK, he has other conservative parties that he can tap into, but they're in the opposition side because they're secular and they want nothing to do with the religious. They would probably make good defense ministers, finance ministers. They're over there, but they want nothing to do, probably want nothing to do with this. And I'm going to tell you, they're, everyone's laughing at the fact that these religious rabbis and, uh, and uh, Politicians are, are, are instead of waiting for Netanyahu to come to them, they're going to Netanyahu and saying, this is what we want. And actually, they have the political power to do it because they can say to him, well, guess what? If you don't make me your defense minister, my party is out. Then he can't
1: form a government. That's right. They, that, they know where the power is. So. That's, Chris, that's why there's been four elections in five years. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly why they get a party together. Look, when Bennett was in, he had seven seats. He put together a coalition. Uh, we're done.
0: Yeah, one year. <laughs> one over. year. We're done. Can we're I? Can Can you go back? You have a great little insight into. Um, you've always wondered, you know. Okay, how how are you going to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem? You, you how are you going to have uh, certain, you know, biblical, prophetic, biblical events take place? When the government is predominantly secular in many ways. And honestly, when you think about rebuilding a temple in Jerusalem, most Israelis, if they're not religious, go, ah, that's that's crazy. I mean, that's I'm not what are you guys are going back to the ancient days? No way. Uh, we're 21st century people.
1: But now all of a sudden we've got a different we got a different government today. Chris, from the time I was saved and started to read prophecy, I've always believed that the temple's going to be rebuilt. I believe the Antichrist is going to set himself. And be the abomination of desolation. But I always wondered, I mean, really up until relatively recent, yeah. I've always wondered, everybody I know in Israel uh, who is not orthodox, which is a small percentage of people, when you, exactly as you said, when they think of the Temple Mount, no, I, we're not, I, it's too hot of an issue. Not uh, even that. They have
0: no Why? Why? I mean, why? They don't even think like Moshe
1: that. Moshe Dayan just said, let the Muslims, the Imams, go on the Temple Mount, Zygazunt. We don't need World War III. Let them run it. And that's kind of been the attitude. That do was it, after the Six-Day War when after, people
0: thought this is it. They're they, going to tear that exactly. down of the Rock down. He
1: just said, do what you want. We'll take care of the safety around the perimeter, but do what you want. Now, Chris— once this happened, it's at least giving me an indication. I, I I can't be specific. I'm not speculating. I know there'll be a temple. You're just one. You're just. You're, I'm saying now. There's with, a pathway. You can see a pathway. I could see the pathway that now the religious are growing. 65 seats. Likud isn't really religious, but they're they're wooing the religious group. No. It used to be 61. Now they're 65. If he if he does it. And we're seeing, wait a minute, there could be, even with a majority of Israelis who are more secular, from a governmental point of view, they could demand a temple.
0: Well, it should be noted that um, Ben Gavir, who is the head of the uh, Religious Zionist Party, who is a very controversial figure himself— um, he actually has five points, and I was mentioning them to uh, to you that he wants to bring to the to the Israeli government. One is he wants to infuse Orthodox Judaism into the regular ways of all Israelis lives. okay? That's big because it's huge. That's not the way most Israelis think and he's Orthodox. So he's he wants to take what he believes and make it a part of the culture. The next one, Steve, which fits into what you're saying is he wants to let Jewish people go to the top of the Temple Mount. To worship. He believes they should have the freedom to do that. I'll tell you this right now. Uh, Ariel, Ariel,
1: it didn't work out well for Ariel. <laughs> Ariel Sharon
0: goes to the top and boom, we've got an intifada. So <laughs> exactly. and he's trying to make it law to go up there. He wants to infuse Orthodox Judaism into education. Uh, he wants to keep women away from the Western Wall. There are a lot of these like you, you don't realize it, but the things that like you said, he's kind of creating a pathway for this perspective, And another thing to see, too, is not only that, but the, the, the nations are aligning, as we're going to look at here in a moment with our next news article. But how weird is it that Russia and Turkey and um,
1: Iran are all working together? And now we see this next news hey, item. What a segue. Let's say you get an Orthodox Jewish person with no experience. He's in charge of defense. What are they facing? <laughs> 400 seconds. That's the headline. 400 seconds to Tel Aviv. Iranian media publishes Hebrew hypersonic missile threat. 400 seconds. About six and a half minutes. A 30 from Tehran
0: eight, to Tel Aviv.
1: A 3,800-mile-an-hour missile that can go up into the atmosphere, that could come down. It's not on a predetermined course, and could it's Primary purpose is to take out defenses. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, look. I'm, I'm hyperbole <laughs> I'm here. Hey, we got this orthodox guy. Sorry, I'm praying right now. That's uh, you have four minutes until this missile strikes. Everyone, my sole job as defense minister is to Now look, we're minister- joking about it. It's not pray. a joking thing. But it, in fact, what else are you going to do but laugh? 400 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's the way Israel's been living since the time she's been a reconstituted state. The enemies are near them, and now, with hypersonic missiles, all the more reason that Israel needs to be on the cutting edge in order to defend herself. It's really important for us to stay, too. We are not prognosticators of prophecy. We are very responsible when it comes to
0: prophecy. It's just, Steve made a great point. How do you get a temple up there? Well, you have to have a different viewpoint in the government, and we're starting to see that. Rise in uh, in in religious um, politicians making their way into power. That's the big thing: power into Israeli politics. And that, and that you've also got the nations that are being staged as
1: you know, using the the word from Jonah. God's preparing because that's the God way God is. Per- it's amazing. I think that's a great segue, a great connection, Chris. In the way God, God hasn't changed, He prepares. Whoever he, whatever he needs for the purpose of whatever he wants to happen. Exactly. And interesting in the article, both of these are, are found in the Jerusalem Post, by the way, that it's called a game changer, a game changer, as it can avoid most modern-day missile systems. This yeah. hypersonic thing.
0: Which is basically Iron Dome and David's sling and these uh, anti-ballistic missiles, you know... Uh, that Israel
1: Listen what it says, Chris. This article: both defense systems that defend inside the atmosphere and extremely expensive systems that deal with missiles outside the atmosphere. This new missile of the Islamic Republic of Iran will pass all of them, and I don't think that technology will be found that can deal with it for decades to come. That's what the Iranian leader said. That's what he said. That's right.
0: All right. Well, that is every good reason for us to continue to support. Our children's camps, because God's moving, God's preparing things, and the culture is is the culture doesn't know its right hand from its left hand. And instead of being angry at everything going on, hey, let's have pity, let's have compassion, and let's raise our kids uh, to uh, know and
1: trust and love the Lord Jesus. We're to be about the Lord's business regardless of what happens around us until He calls us home. That's right. And so, yes. With all this stuff, should I be afraid? No. Not if you trust Christ as your Savior. You don't have to be. You could be frustrated. Don't say, kill me now. No. You could be frustrated. <laughs> don't be but like be about the Lord's business. And that's why tzedakah, uh for the next couple weeks, I pray and hope, uh, they'll be giving it for, oh, this is our Yiddish word, which I uh, already gave. So, Chris, you can repeat it. All right, Yiddish word of the day, everybody. Yiddish word of the day is Pushki. Love that word, pushkey. Put the money
0: in the pushkey. Put the money in the pushkey. The a tin can. Steve's got his pushkey tin can here, especially an alms box uh, that was used. uh, uh, Really influential in helping found the state of Israel to supply the funds for, and many other ways as well. But you know what? You don't have to have a tin pushkey anymore. We have a digital pushkey. That's right. You can go to foi.org forward slash Tuesday. To give to the children's camps to help a child uh, learn mo- more about the Lord Jesus, and
1: let's let's give Jeannie one more shot, Jeannie, to our six listeners out there, and maybe the few that you have, we'll give one last push, uh, one yeah. last push key. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just uh, you can make a difference in a child's life, and that's the most important thing. If you don't think you can, you're wrong.
0: That is great. All right, everybody, go to your digital pushkey, FOI.org forward slash. That's
1: going to be my two words for the week. Forward slash Tuesday, FOI.org
0: forward slash Tuesday. Pushkey is the word. I'm thankful. Hey, listen, everybody, it's been a great Jew and Gentile podcast. We finished Jonah. I like it when we finish things, Steve. We don't finish much. I know, exactly. We finished that. Look, we looked over. Keep up with what's going on in the news in Israel. Uh, A lot of interesting things with this upcoming government. Uh, And also, hey, be sure to go to foiequip.org, and there you can register for classes. You can be on our mailing list. You can listen to the Jew and Gentile podcast. Zionism this Thursday. Zionism this Thursday. Sign up. We hope to see you there. And if not, we'll see you next week.